1: And hello again, dear ones. This is Rev Briz. And this is Rev Z. And together, we're Ministers Talking Shit. Today is episode number eight. And we're going to kick off a two-episode series here because, well, this is a huge topic. And Z and I have been talking about this. Well, we've been talking about this for years. Mm -hmm. Uh, But just today, in preparing for in. Preparing to record this episode, uh, we realized this is just way too much to try to handle in one episode. Uh, It may be too much to handle in two episodes, folks. Who knows? We might be here a little while. Uh, We're going to talk, the name of the title, the title of the episode is It Ain't Black and White Race Relations in America Today. I'll be straight up with you. I'm excited to be able to talk about this and to explore this. Uh, And I feel I'm, I'm so sorrowful that we're still talking about this and we still have to describe, and we still have to, to look at this. So let it be known right up front. I'm, I'm white privileged and there's no other way around it. And as we were sharing Elzia and I were talking that I have to be willing to admit that. And I have to be willing to work to dismantle the, the, the inherent privileges that are sent my way just because I was born with a certain amount of pigment in my body. So see, let's, uh, how are you doing <laughs> in all this? Well, we've been talking for a while here today. So we really want to bring you the highlights, folks. And I'm going to give Reverend Elzia a chance to jump in here and get us moving.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it is a, it is a, <laughs> solemn day, and if you will, just just contemplating the state of affairs, and and being a, a black man raised in the South, in the Deep South, and seeing some things that were definitely colored, if you will, with white signs and colored signs, and you know all of that. I think this this issue of race has been going on for so long, and we've as a nation have danced around and skirted around the the fringes of it, but we've never really looked at what I think is the heart of it and trying to figure out how to get beyond it. I mean and that and and saying that is not is not an easy task to do because there's this saying and I, I think it's attributed to Malcolm X that says no one gives up power. you either inherit it, or you take it, but no one is just walking around giving away power because it is a you know it, it's, it's a coveted kind of thing to have. And so I think now what we're seeing displayed in our society now, on top of the pandemic, is this idea of we are space is you know uh, decreasing because of the virus, and now things are going to shift. And how will they be after the shift, I think, is one of the things that's up for everybody.
1: Yeah, after, absolutely. Uh, there's, It's an interesting time in this shift because everybody got all focused on this one thing. And a lot of other social issues have in many ways been ignored. And, you know, I know it's it's really hard and it's really tough when we see examples like we've seen in the last week, week and a half or so. Uh, you know, just learning of Breonna Taylor recently, the Amy Cooper video, the George Floyd video now, and and what's, and and the civil unrest that's happening across the country because of this. I, I think a lot of it, we had, we've become so so blinded by this other thing, and I know it's easy to slip into that the belief system that things are getting better, things are do, we're doing okay right we hadn't heard the story in a few months we hadn't it, it's kind of like school shootings in that regard haven't heard of a school shooting in a few months okay that seems rather simplistic but we forget that that's still a, an issue in our society this week we've been dramatically slapped around for lack of a better term to to become aware again but this is still an issue, folks. We have not healed this. There's still a lot of work that's out there to be done right now. And, you know, I think, Pelsio, I know for me and I know for so many others, the toughest part of that question is, well, where do I start? Exactly. And, and
0: and you know, one thing that the, the, the COVID-19 paradigm, if you will, has highlighted is that our basic systems of infrastructure that we lean on, our, our health care, our criminal justice, our education, and our economic systems, if you use that as the four wheels of the vehicle, so to speak, right now, they're all under crises, and they are being exposed in terms of the the, the the shortcomings and the fallacies and 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 places where things have been propped up as paper tigers and they're now being exposed. And now we have to figure out how to deal with the problem. Yes. And so, as you said, there is no one place to start. I mean, that's an easy answer, but We have to figure out how to have a systemic, holistic approach to dealing with this or these racial tensions will begin to get more. Because imagine when we get to the point to where we start uh, hiring people back again and, and, and those kinds of things, I can only imagine tensions being around that of who gets hired, who doesn't get hired and what positions and so forth and so on. And so... We have to have a clear strategy of how we kind of do a multi-pronged approach to to to, to resolving these
1: issues. Yes, exactly. Uh, I, and you bring up a great topic there that I hadn't even thought of. Really, uh, right? Okay, so we're all going to be asked to, to register or uh, or prove that we're clear of the COVID. That uh, whether it's a uh, an immunization passport or, or vaccine records or whatever it is. Uh, will people be targeted and denied work if they put down on their application that they live in an area that was a high content or a, or had a high infection rate? right uh, will will this and right and here so here it is folks right here's just another one that shows up. This is the systematic racism that has moved people of color into economically perilous situations across our country in so many ways in so many communities. And we're almost setting it up to happen again, because those are the people that are most likely to not trust a a nationwide uh, immunization program. These are the folks that have been uh, oppressed for so long, why Why would anybody want to jump on board and be a part of something where they know it's just going to lead to others saying, yeah, well, sorry, you don't qualify now. Right. Right. You self-identified in that group and now you don't qualify for benefits or you don't qualify for help. You don't qualify to vote.
0: Yeah. And and, and that that just, you know, because as we know now and we're beginning to see more that, Black and brown people are being more affected by this COVID virus in terms of deaths. I mean, I think I think the numbers float a bit, but somewhere between sixty and seventy percent of all the deaths of the COVID virus are black and brown people. So if we're at a hundred thousand, that means like seventy thousand people, sixty to seventy thousand black and brown people have died from this virus. And right behind that, on all of the newscasts, they'll say, oh, some of these could have been prevented if we'd done uh, uh, something a little earlier. You know, there, there was this saying that always said when when a problem was in a, in, a, in a black and brown community or in a black community, it was just that. It was a problem. But then if it moved to a white community, it was an epidemic. Yeah. And so... Just because of the way it was looked at, and this was not necessarily in the COVID, but, but definitely if we look at some of these cases of these uh, unfortunate deaths recently, you know, those things are not happening in my community. So I'm not, I'm concerned, but I'm not really worried or I'm not up in arms because it's not happening in my community. But if it happens in your community, then it's different. And a prime example of that is to look at the response between the drug addictions between crack cocaine and opioids. Yes. Crack cocaine was mainly a urban, black and brown uh, addiction problem. Opioids is primarily a white suburban addiction problem, and the responses to it were totally different. One was criminalized, and the other was we need to provide support to get beyond this addiction.
1: Right. We we made one a public health crisis and we made the other a criminal offense. Exactly. Exactly. And people we do this all the time. Our society does this all the time to people of color. We rather than saying here, let's get let's support, let's get in the in the trenches and do the hard work of creating a world that works for everyone of supporting and uplifting and creating equity in our world then uh and but we don't do that in the brown and and black communities we'll do that for the white communities you're right day in and day out there are programs and dollars and all kinds of money and um you know if you're a white kid that wants to go to computer camp this summer to learn coding i gotta bet there's somebody out there that'll pay for it tomorrow but if you're a black or brown kid That just needs to get out of the city for a couple of weeks in the summer well i don't hear about those programs not very much no not unless you're not unless you get caught up in the criminal justice system not unless you get caught up in another aspect of the system meant to that's been perverted i'm sorry i'm gonna i want to say this i don't think there's anything wrong with our law enforcement system and our justice system inherently I think the system themselves have are, are built on solid foundations, but I do also believe they have been perverted and used improperly to oppress a, a vast a class of people, black and brown communities, uh, primarily, and other mar and other communities as well. And if white people don't start standing up and saying enough is enough we've got to change this nothing's going to change and it's not us that's going to change and it's not white folk that's going to go save you guys right it's not uh, white folk it's not us coming to the hey here i am with my sword and shield and helmet and i'm going to save the day this has to be a partnership we have to be willing to listen and to learn and to recognize that no one's no one with white skin is immune from white privilege. I I don't care how bad your life was. Yeah, we we can't claim we can't claim poverty or abuse or. Um, uh, like, hey, I got a black friend. Um, <laughs> we can't do that, people. Right, that's patently wrong. <laughs> so. And, and- um, And no, no, I mean, you bring up a good
0: point because, because I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, there's the, 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 you know, the historical story, if you will, and it's not something that's not known of the Titanic, right? They, the Titanic went out and they had, they sold tickets and they had lower price tickets and they had higher price tickets. But when that ship sunk, it didn't matter what you paid for your ticket, the ship went down and everybody on it, except for the fortunate few, lost their lives. Yeah. And, and our country is at the same kind of a pivotal point, in my mind, as the Titanic. We're in a ship right now called Planet Earth that is on the brink of hitting the iceberg. Yep. And if we can't get beyond this idea of race, and, and 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 privilege and and I mean, if we expand that out of taking care of the ship, i e. planet earth and and making sure that everybody that's on planet Earth, starship Earth, is capable of 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 manning a position and being well at it and not being discriminated against or put in substandard situations where they can't fully develop or participate. We're going to have a serious problem trying to keep this ship afloat.
1: I hear you. It's uh, as you were sharing the, the phrase, uh, the older phrase, even older than the Titanic, right? Nero fiddled while Rome burned. Yes. And uh, and I'm afraid that there's that we're fiddling and the, the planet Well, back in February, that was the big news, right? Before COVID, the planet was literally burning, uh, at least a large portion of it. And there's no question we're in the midst of an evolutionary leap, an evolutionary change, an evolutionary shift, uh, whatever we want to call it, folks, right? And I'm not the first to say it. I've been hearing it for years uh, that in this shift, the old ways of being the old systems, the old, uh, consciousness is going to have to be, is going to have to be dismantled. Is going to have to, uh, dissipate, dissolve. Now I've never really been one to advocate of uh, revolution or armed insurrection or violent demonstration. I've always been about how do we find the peaceful way through this? And in this moment in time, in history, in this evolutionary leap, I think we're witnessing another marker, a, a beacon that is saying, we must dismantle the consciousness that is inherent within law enforcement and our justice system today, because the justice system, the law enfor- enforcement and justice. If you are a black, Man, you are guilty. If you are a brown man, you are guilty. If you're a white guy, then you have the the benefit of being innocent until proven guilty. Yeah, and that's not what this country's built on.
0: And and it's you know it's it's frightening as as a father of a black son and and grandkids and having them go out. And not knowing if they'll come back. Right. Not knowing if my son or my grandson, you know, changes lanes improperly and does not put on a blanker and gets pulled over for, for improper lane change, there's there's no guarantee he doesn't end up in some other kind of situation for something as simple as not putting on a blinker. Right. I E Sandra Bland in in Texas who was first pulled over for improper lane change and she wound up you know dead. Right. And so bringing it back to principle as you were just saying in that there is a just divine principle of life. This universal concept that life is prime. Right? And 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 life includes different aspects different spectrums but it is that principle of life i think that that we have to lean on to understand we have to promote that and create a foundation so that everybody can grow healthily in life mm. it's just like it's like planting a garden when we plant a garden we go and we prepare the soil. We, if it's too clay, we add some stuff to it. If it doesn't have enough nutrients, we add some stuff to it. But we do some pre-work to make sure that garden can sustain the plants and flowers that we're going to plant. It's the same with we now. We're in one big garden called Garden Earth, And we have allowed certain parts of the garden to grow weeds or to become toxic or not have enough nutrients to provide life nutrients for everything in the garden, i.e., black, brown, white, and in between people. And we have to begin to cultivate the land in that manner. And once we do that, we have to figure out, I think, what. Is mine to do. That's something we talked about in our last episode, but it really is pungent right now. In this whole thing, what is mine to do to create a healthy garden so that everyone can grow?
1: You know, Elsie, that leads me to my next question that I have for you. Um, and but before we do that, folks, I want to let you know that this program is sponsored by the New Thought Media Network and all the great people that are putting together that organization. New Thought Media Network is a nonprofit ministry dedicated, putting out a great positive vibration and putting out media and uh, programming that is inspiring, uplifting. And so we encourage you to check out New Thought Media Network, ntmedia.org. Uh, they are our primary sponsor. We're grateful to be a part of the network. So, Elsie, uh, I want to come back to that. So, you're talking about what, right? What is mine to do, and how, what am I here to? How am I here promoting life, right? So, yes, yeah. I'm with you. And when things are hunky dory, when you know when it's all rainbows and sunshines and lollipops and unicorns. Those aren't easy. Those are easy questions when things look the way they do right now. That's the kind of question that gets a little bit tougher. And so help us understand what can, as an ally, as a, as a middle-aged white guy, what can I do in this conversation that promotes life, that honors the journey that black and brown Americans have been on their entire lifetime of um, people all over the world, all over the planet. This isn't just America, right folks, but yes, as an ally, what can, what's, what's acceptable? Where do I, where do I dive in to promote life in this crazy, crazy situation that we're calling race relations in America right now?
0: Yeah, I think that's, that's definitely a valid point. And, and, it, and it, just brought to mind a couple of points. You know that there, there's there's this uh, there's this idea that comes from the Bible that says faith without works are dead. Meaning you can't just talk to talk. You got to walk to talk. Right. And to say that I I think this is a bad situation or I feel sorry or I can understand that's one step and it's a great positive step because we know how consciousness works. But the second part of that is each person has to find out what's theirs to do in this to make it better. Just to speak to it is one level, but to actually do something is another. And now we don't expect everybody to do the same thing. I mean, it takes, you know, if we're running an airplane or running a train, there's several different people that's making that happen. There's the pilot, there's the co-pilot, there's the navigator. There's the person in the tower, there's the person who's looking at the weather report to tell you, you know how high to go up or how low to come down. And so in that same perspective, I would say we have to begin to ask ourselves as black and brown people, and as allies of, of our of our white brethren and sisters is find your place where you can be, comfortable not so comfortable that you get complacent you want to do a little stretch because it keeps you keeps you pumping and we know from universal principle whatever life does for us it has to do it through us and so that means we have to get involved we have to get busy wherever we can if it's writing a letter making a vote uh participating in a protest uh Obviously, we want to do it safely and non-violently in terms of destroying property and life. Um, and 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 you know, there's an old saying in, in in the black neighborhood that says, "You got to get in where you fit in." So you got to find your fit, and everybody doesn't have the same fit. But I think
1: that's a great place to start. I agree, nonviolent nonviolent protest. Right, I, it can be as easy as standing on a street corner with a sign uh and as a white person stand on the street corner with a sign that says black lives matter. Yeah. And then be courageous when people vilify you. Be courageous when people and be humble when somebody gives you a hunk of approval. Yes. Or somebody gives you the thumbs up.
0: And and you know something that's that that you just made me think about that when you talked about being courageous and everything. It just popped in my mind in that you know now we have uh, a lot of uh, 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 biracial and interracial marriages. And so now where you may have had a white person who had never had any contact with the blacks or a brown person and, and so forth, now that black and brown person is their grandson. That black and brown person is the person that's married to their daughter or to their son. And so now, you know, as we were talking earlier, You have a different experience, you know, i.e., it's not a direct one, but you have a different inference and a different perspective of how that thing works. You know, it's like one of my favorite sayings I can describe to you what a mango tastes like all day long, but until you taste the mango, you have no idea of what I'm talking about. And so now, for some of our white brothers and sisters who have a black son, I mean son-in-law or black grandson and they're thinking, God, my grandson goes out here, he may not come home tonight. Right. Or he may get harassed because of the color of his skin or the or the features on his face. Now you get a different perspective. Or you might be uh someone that's adopted a black child. You see the struggles and things they go to, and so now there's a different perspective. So there's many jumping off points for our bright brothers and sisters to be courageous and stand there, stand there, stand there peace, if you will.
1: Right. Well, folks, you know, I'm looking up here at the clock on the wall and it looks like we have successfully invested a good half hour in just scratching the surface of what is an incredibly complex discussion. Uh, You know, we named it, we named this episode. It ain't black and white because it isn't uh, there's no easy answer if you're there's no silver pill uh i really wish there was i think both lc and i wish there was i wish there was the uh, that we could wave a wand and white america would wake up uh and all of america would wake up to the systemic racism that's ha- been happening for people's entire lives um LZ, you said something earlier that really touched with me and i and, uh, Uh, That is that the majority of Black Americans have been living with PTSD their entire lives. And it might be because of economic reasons. It might be because um, they were in a disadvantaged neighborhood and there was violence. It might be because of the systematic use of drugs uh, to incarcerate young Black men. Uh, there's, we could go on the list is there again and again, and again, and again. So what we're going to do folks is we're going to give you a little time here this week to think about what is yours to do, especially if you're white, especially if you call yourself an ally, what is yours to do? Perhaps that's share a video by a prominent, uh, black speaker or, or thought leader. Uh, Perhaps that is just being willing to post a Black Lives Matter online. Perhaps that is willing to just say, hey, I will no longer stand for this and unfriend somebody. Put them on snooze for 30 days. Let them know why you're leaving. Let them know that, hey, this should not stand. We're going to leave you this week to think about that. We're going to come back and continue this episode with part two That'll be available a week from now. So please take a little bit of time this week and consider what is yours to do. And we'll come back and join you for another part in this conversation very soon. Thanks for being with us. Peace and blessings, dear one. Peace and blessings. And
0: thanks for listening to this week's episode of Ministers Talking... We'll be back again next week with more commentary on current affairs, world events, and any other our ministers want to talk about. And if you found value here, please share our with your friends. Until next time,
1: peace and blessings.